Hello and welcome back to another episode of Casting Views, the podcast with your hosts. I'm Dan. And I'm Lou. And we pick a random topic each week and we cast our views. This week, though, is something slightly different and very special. We are joined by a special guest, Dennis Mallon. Say hi, Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Hey, guys. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate your time today pleasure having you absolutely our pleasure so dennis is and i don't know i've, I've been thinking how to introduce you <laughs> you are an actor producer as a tech ceo award winner feels like you're doing a little bit of everything you know i i i laugh first and foremost my condolences for her majesty and i i'm i'm glad you know talking to you guys across the pond and uh you know again we fought in this country not to have but it's it's so i'm so intrigued by it I'm so intrigued by tradition. I love pomp and circumstance, and I love familial intrigue. But all serious, my my condolences. What a 96 years old, 70 plus years in the rain. Jeez. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I was on set the other day, and I I get into certain situations like people look for mentorship, and whenever there's a young actor, I I try to stay in my own little bubble. But of course, questions come up. And not that I try to hold court, because if you're paying me, I'm there to work. I'm a, I'm a working actor, thank God. I'm busy and so on. But a, a friend of mine looks at me, an older guy, he goes, well, you're obviously a bon vivant. And a bon vivant. And I'm like, well, what does that really mean? Well, you enjoy life. You're active in life. You've, you've lived life. <laughs> you got a lot of life left to live. So I kind of like that. I don't know if I'm going to put that on my resume, but bon vivant. Well, it's a good thing. It's it's a good thing, mm-hmm. and from kind of what we'll probably speak about during the next however you know however long this podcast lasts, you certainly do try to make the most of the things that come your way. You know, you come around this this world once, and uh, I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen my father go through a lot. I've seen family go through a lot, and I I made decisions early on that um, I'm going to leave it all on the playing field. I'm going to leave it all out there. You know whether technology is my game, financial is my game, or acting is my game. I'm going to leave it all out there. Being an entrepreneur, really my entire adult life and being raised by an entrepreneur, my mother, I just have a different mentality. I really, you know, I've got great relationships and I have a ton of acquaintances, which really allow me to get my word out there. I've got a a good reputation, so I hear, and I'm very blessed, very thankful for that. But I like putting it all on the field. If you look back, it's been 27 years now acting, producing. I started acting when I was heading up and I was a young CEO of a technology company. And everything happens for a reason. Now, to take it back, I'm a Freemason. My mentor, James Demonic, is also a Freemason. He used to teach at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and Sciences. We would meet in Manhattan every Friday for a scotch and a cigar. And every time I walked in, wherever wherever we were, oh, my God, look at this kid. What a good-looking guy. Oh, it came from Central Casting. I'd show up in a three-piece suit, and it's Manhattan. I'm the, I'm the boss. And after about six weeks of browbeating and, and feeling embarrassed, I'm like, Jim, do you think I can really make a run at this? Oh, my God, yes. Are you kidding me? I, you know, yeah. I'm like, all right, what do I need to do? And he walked me through 
each step. Now, the American Academy, just like, you know, the, the Academy is out there. It's pretty elite. It's pretty. You don't just walk off the street and uh, here I am. It's pretty elite. So for him to take his time and mentor me and walk me through every step, I, he's still one of my dearest friends today, fraternal brothers. And I, I love him dearly. I definitely, I, I want to work with him and figure something out. But um, yeah, my um, my first everything was on stage. I played Lenny from Of Mice and Men. And I oh, quickly no learned that stage is real work. Stage is arduous. Stage is hard. I was listening to Phantom of the Opera today. And I, I think I, I saw the Phantom like nine times. And it just penetrates your soul. But every thespian that I know... Before they go live, before the curtain goes up, oh, they rehearse about three months, 80 hours a week. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of hours in. When I did Lenny, I quickly found out that I was a method actor. And I remember on the phone with James about two o'clock in the morning coming through the Lincoln Tunnel, New York to New Jersey, where I was at the time. And I'm like, I'm so depressed. I'm crying. I'm losing weight. I can't sleep. He goes, what do you mean? I go, I get off stage, I'm exhausted. He goes, well, that's a good thing. You leave it all out there. I go, but I can't shake it. He goes, what do you mean? I go, I still feel like I'm Lenny. He goes, well, obviously you're a method actor. I'm like, Jim, I don't know what that means, but this sucks. Because <laughs> 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 I got to go to work the next day. I got to be in Manhattan at 7 a.m. This sucks. Well, I finished my obligation. I was contracted for 10 shows and then I quit. And then I said, enough of this because I don't like the feeling. Well, literally two weeks to the day after that, I get a call for an audition. Now, guys, if the audition wasn't two blocks away from my Manhattan office, I never would have went. I went, of course, I was dressed up. I was in my work attire. And I had such a great casting director, Pat Sweeney. It was for a China Airlines commercial. Now, Lou, I'm sitting there and she comes out and she goes, relax, guys. She goes, you're technology executives and you're helping a company from China relocate to the States. And I'm thinking, this is a candid camera moment, Dan. What is going on? I literally just finished that six months prior. Now I'm thinking this is a prank. Uh, what the heck's going on? This is a prank. Long story short, I walked out of that. Now, no, you know, you have an appointment. You walk out of that. You know if you nailed it or not. You just know. Yeah. I, I'm six feet, one inch tall. I walked out of that. I was about seven and a half feet tall. I was floating back to work. I've always had the mentality, you put it out there, you leave it to God, you leave it to the universe, whatever happens, happens. Literally three days later, I get a phone call. Hello, Mr. Mallon. Now, I'm Dennis Jr. Mr. Mallon's my dad or my uncle <laughs> yeah, or my yeah. grand, Mr. Mallon. Yeah. Uh, yes, we want to talk to you. We'd like to book you. Bob, blah, blah, blah. who's your agent? Now, mind you, I am brand, brand new. I don't have an agent. I got nothing. So I called Jim. Jim, I, I think I booked it. What do you mean? They called me. They want me. They want. They asked for an agent. I don't have an agent. Oh, my God. What do I do? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dan, I'll have somebody call you in five minutes. Now, I can't give you the name of the agency, but it was a rather large, prestigious agency that called me. And the guy wasn't Mr. Mallon. He's like, all right, Dan. He goes, here's the deal. What are they offering you? I said, X. He goes, oh, I'm going to get you double. You just don't worry. You just show up. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Love you, sir. Bye, sir. Click. So I get the script and you're going to love this part. I know the script inside, outside, backward, forward. I get on set. Director calls action. We do the first take seamlessly. He goes, cut. 
back to one. Now, Lou, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, Lou, but I look to the production assistant and I go, what does that mean? Oh, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. Oh, yeah. We're going to do 12 takes from this angle, 12 takes from this angle, a few takes. So I'm thinking to myself, damn, I've got about 40 times to screw this up. And all you need is like one, two, three good takes. I'm thinking to myself, I didn't, because I'm a professional, we know what we're doing. And I'm thinking, damn, if this was theater and I dropped my draws, I've got to keep pushing through. Or if, if something happened, right? So much respect, long story, but much respect for those thespians out there. Oh my gosh. It's got to be unforgiving, right? Because you don't get, like you said, you don't get a second chance. You, you really don't. I'm, I'm listening to, uh, I listened to an Alan Alda uh, podcast last week and Alan did know did not know he grew up in stage did not know his father was an actor didn't know his background and he said stage it gets so mechanical at times because if you're he goes you're you're rehearsing for three months and then you're on for six months six years he goes after the six months it's just mechanical you you kind of lose the joy he goes you might get off stage and say what a what a horrible performance but you might get a write-up that that was your best performance. So it's unforgiving. It's tough to balance. And you don't know how you're being perceived, okay, from a stage perspective. It's just my opinion for whatever it's worth. From a, a TV, a commercial, a film perspective, well, I can see right then and there. I can see a playback. And I can, say, and I can suggest and collaborate with the director and the director of photography and say, look, I can do this different. I can do that different. Do you mind? Can we do it again? So night and day, night and day. And, yeah. and as as sadistic as I am, my kind of life plan is that when I'm 70 years old, I want to live in Manhattan. I'd love to live in the village and take the E train to the theater and go back. That's as sadistic as I am, because at that age, Alzheimer's, I might not forget. I might, you know, whatever, but. I do have a question, though. Yes, sir. Before we get really stuck into acting, you do have a very long and successful career in the tech arena, right? Thank you. So, Thank you. Was it an easy decision to leave that behind? And did anyone try to, to convince you not to? So uh, I'm divorced, uh, and there's reasons why people get divorced. And I'm not going to get deep into that, but I'll let you surmise certain things. I've always had certain dreams. I've always had certain goals in life. I've always felt in, in my soul, at my core, that I'm here to make a difference, whatever that might be, building a technology company, working with a technology company, being a financial professional, being an actor, being a producer, whatever. I, I've always known that dreams are not achieved between the hours of nine to five. Now, we may argue, okay, well, you were a young chief executive officer. You were the top of the heap. Okay, great. Still wasn't my dream. I was financially well off. I was in good shape. A lot of great stuff going on. Very successful technology career. Could still be in it today. But it comes a point in your life where you have to burn the ships behind you. And you get that point. Yeah. Now, could I go back in technology? Sure. Sure. Could I be wildly successful in technology? I'm sure. I'm sure I can grind it out. because I know how I work and what I do and what I bring to the table. But it wasn't a hard transition per se because keep in mind while i'm managing this technology company and i'm work giving them 80 hours a week uh the remaining hours that are in the day 
I'm doing the acting or I'm taking classes or I'm doing whatever I needed to do. You know, so, you know, it's a matter of staying organized, hyper-organized, hyper-focused and really, really knowing what your, what your dreams and goals are. And that, you know, I don't care if you're a widget maker. I don't care if you're a sanitation worker. I don't care. What are your dreams? What's your goal? You know, do you have them written down? Do you manifest them? Do you meditate on it? What's it all about? You know, my, my father was a blue collar guy, 40 plus years at the utility firm. And I, and I appreciate that. And his work ethic allowed us to do certain things. It allowed us certain freedoms. And I love him and I appreciate him. Rest in peace. My mother, Marianne, the entrepreneur. It was his stability. She would argue this with me and I don't want to get into it with her. His stability allowed her to do the entrepreneurial aspect. The stability of my nine to five and my very nice paycheck allowed me the stability. Now, don't know if you gentlemen are married, you've got relationships, it doesn't matter. You need to balance life. There's only 24 hours in a day. How do you create many days within that segment? There's a gentleman that I follow, Ed Milet, and I've been following him for about 20 plus years. And he has figured out, and he mentors me direct now, which I'm so tickled pink. He's only worth about $200 million more than me, around my same age, give or take. And he carves out many days. And if you think about it, how many more things do you get done? How much more time do you have? Family, religion, work. How much more time do you have? A lot more. But it's how you use that time. Your habits and routines serve you or you get served. Was that a good answer, by the way? That was a class answer. You know, I'm not trying to filibuster you. That was a long answer, but uh, it just flows, bro. It just, you know, the tongue just goes, you know? That's giving me like, you should be motivational public speaker vibes as well. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, it, it's the funniest thing. We had a business. Marianne was a, um, a Brado consultant. So we had a Brado business when I was... I think I was about 20, 21. So I still had all my full-time gigs and the acting. And we did a Brado show once. And the show is ready to get going. She throws me in the microphone and says, all right, go to it. Go do what? Go open up the ceremony. Go emcee the ceremony. Thank you for coming. I'm Dennis Mallon. And we la 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 la. And boom, baptized by fire. I step into it. And that's what a lot of what I've done in life. It's scary. But I guess I've been baptized by fire, Lou. And I've done a lot of public speaking. I've gotten a lot of uh, tongue-tied moments. I've used a lot of personal stories that have brought tears to my eyes. But I just, everything I do, I'm, I'm meant to do it at certain times in my life. And I'm really just enjoying, I'm enjoying the journey, bro. I'm just, I'm having fun. Something actually, as a side note, and I've listened to some other pods you've been on, and I think you definitely come across as someone, and, and you kind of said it here, that you want to make the most of everything and you are determined to succeed in what you do. So even you work out a lot. And I think, Lou, we could, we, we could say from the pictures we see, you know, I mean, you've got arms that are bigger than the two of us. I Very think. much Stop so. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> so is it like a, just a constant drive that, that you've had then that you're saying that, yeah, I'm going to do this and I want to be the best at it? Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to be that person. I want to be that generation to step out and to do something different. And it changed my family's name. 
if that makes sense. I want to be in this generation. I want to be the one to one to do it to change my name, um, not change my name, but the focus of my name. So my grand, so my kids, my grandkids, my great grand. You know, look at look at any entrepreneur. Look at you know Elon Musk. Oh my God, you think that guy was made fun of his entire life? I still make fun of him, though I love him dearly and watch him and follow him. Uh, Bill Gates, Nate, Steve Jobs, name name any um, game changer, name anybody that changes the game. You know, ha, did they put things on hold and were they a little unbalanced for a short period of time or for a long period of time? And now they're doing it. You know, it, it yeah, I'm driven by a lot of things. Now, if you look at my body of work, I like playing dark characters. Because I, I think of my IMDb, it says, you know, I like characters that are broken. It's because there's so much meat. It's so much meat to it. Anybody can play the Lily White Sheriff. And I say that with all due respect, okay? <laughs> the psycho killers, the American psycho, the Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker. There's something going on. Now, I got to tell you, Lou's looking at me. I was raised... <laughs> my. My father cracked me in the head when he had to. Not he, he hit me when he had to hit me. I wasn't chained to the radiator. I wasn't beaten on a daily basis. I was fed three, four meals. I had a good upbringing. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing dark to draw on. So again, back to my buddy Jim, my mentor Jim. A lot of what I do is instinctual. Now, did I have a past life where I was? I don't know, sadistic. I hope not. I pray not. I've got certain things I draw on. I was I did a um, a movie face of PTSD. Now I'll do anything for military veterans. I just I give back. I give back every chance I get. I can children, animals, veterans. I give back, and I'll be more than happy to help anybody. So doing face of PTSD, the executive producer comes up to me. He goes, you, "You're doing good, but you're just too much of a hard ass." All right. Well, what do you want to see? He goes. By this time, I was crying. All right. Okay, you want to see me cry? Now, mind you, the director's listening. And the director's just like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed young guy. He's listening. And I go, all right, give me a minute. Action. And the director's looking at me. He sees I'm welling up, I'm welling up, I'm welling up. And he, he said to me, he goes, hold it until I give you a second action. I'm welling up, I'm welling up, I'm welling up. And he, second action. And I went, and, and I look at the, you know, I look corner of the eye, I see the executive producer, he's crying. And I'm like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> you know, I pulled you in. And that's that's something you really can't teach. You know, and, and the same director comes up to me and he goes afterwards, he goes, you know, you're better than Frank Carrillo. And I'm like, yeah, oh, thank you, thank you. He goes, no, no. He goes, you're a hard ass. You're a badass, just like Frank Carrillo. And I go, well, I appreciate that. He goes, but you can cry. Frank can't cry. He can't emote. And I looked at him and I'm like, okay, okay, thank you. He goes, no, man. He goes, that is huge. And I'm going to work with you again. So different things like that. You just, you, you never know. And I just, like I said, it, it comes down to my, my anthem. I like to leave it all in the field. I like to leave it all out there. Do you think as well in the fact that you are a method actor, you find it easier to switch into emotion based on the fact that you're kind of living your character outside of just the performance itself living my character outside of my performance i i don't go home and kick my cats i i don't run <laughs> over grandmothers in my personal life professionally that's different 
Um, <laughs> I, you know, that's a great question, Lou. I just, um, you know, let, let's look at method actors. Al Pacino. Okay. I love Mr. Pacino. Worked with him three times. My first SAG feature was Devil's Advocate. So if he is a method actor, who is he for three months? Satan? Oh my gosh. But can you just imagine the mental state? Because that's what he was, right? I mean, that's who he is, you yeah. know, in the film. Yeah. And who's Keanu Reeves? Well, Keanu Reeves is Rosemary's baby, right? Satan Spawn that's now a New York City attorney. So it's it's interesting. You know, you've got to learn, and I learned early on, thank God, how to get how to get it out of my system. A lot of people, Heath Ledger, rest in peace. Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace. Robin Williams, rest in peace. Rest in peace. They couldn't get control of their demons. And thank you for the compliment. My arms aren't that big, but I appreciate it. (laughs) I go to the gym at 2 in the morning. I run two miles at 2 in the morning. If I can't sleep, I'm in the gym. I'm that guy. So I'm not a big drinker. I told you I like my scotch. I like my red wine. But my outlet is working out and thank God I have such a healthy outlet, right? Or who knows where I'd be. I'm a mess as it is. Thank God I got the gym to go to and go hit something. So, you know, getting into the character, I do a lot of, a lot of homework. Like you guys might give me a script and I'm reading it. And then the three of us, we get on the phone again and we go over this, we go over the, uh, the character. And I give you my thoughts. I give you my breakdown as to who I think I am. And it, you know the the irony of it, Lou? Nine times out of ten, I am almost simpatico with the writer. I'm almost simpatico with the director. I might have missed this subtle nuance, that subtle nuance, but we're right on the same page. So it's instinct, really. It, it It's instinct. I did pass on something recently. I was offered a role to be a, uh, a Catholic bishop. Uh, and to do an exorcism in Latin. And I never say no, but Dan, I, I said, okay, no, Latin. I'm going to wind up opening up something and putting a curse on myself. <laughs> nah, <laughs> love you. Thank you. No, I'll pass. <laughs> so, you know, that, but that's that's a, a little glimpse into the mind of Malin. I mean, that's, I don't know. And I've got, I've got two questions on what you've just sure. said, but also I just want to, we will come back to it after because I completely forgot in the intro as well to say, yeah, absolutely. You've, you've worked with some of the greats as well and you've been in some of the big films. So Devil's Advocate, I think we said, The Irishman. Yes, Godzilla, and, and I absolutely want to ask you about some of the actors in that. But a couple of things. And I've been thinking, I wanted to make sure I put this in a way that I hope comes across okay. The broken character yes, line. You, you do have quite a, a strong look so you're tall you you know you said you're you're in physical shape you've the dark hair you know you're quite imposing so do you do you think that also helps in terms of maybe getting some of those roles i'm sure it doesn't hurt you know i just had to gain weight for a movie that we just wrapped uh we did an mma film called champion and i was a gym owner it wasn't a sensei i wasn't mickey from rocky but i was just a piece of shit gym owner so and talking to the producer director, I'm like, look, I want to gain some weight. Why? You're, you're, you're ripped as it is. Now, I want to be that obnoxious looking guy. I'm already obnoxious, but I want to look obnoxious, right? And they're like, all right, well, all right. if Okay, do what you can. 
So in six weeks, I, I gained uh, gained about nine pounds. I got to 205, uh, which now I'm on the downward trend. I'm at 199. So I still have that metabolism. I can still do that. So I'm able to to kind of morph in different things. I don't want, look, I'll never get John Cena's roles. Okay. I'll never play Dwayne Johnson. I'm kind of in that middle. I'm at the age. I've got to stay fit. I've got to stay tight. I've got to look good in clothes. I'm not going to play. I could play the uh, uh, Statham. John, John Statham, right? Jason you know, Statham, yeah. I, I, I've got to learn more, more martial arts. But if he's slight. He's slightly built. He can still kick my ass and take nothing away. Okay? So you're right. Now, I've high school, grammar school, high school, college, I started putting on some size. But I was always a tall, skinny kid. Which the sports that I played, it really landed to the sports that I played and really, really helped out. Now it's a matter, and I, I take this not for granted. You look at my contemporaries, I think I, I've got my stuff together pretty tight. And it, it, it's interesting, Dan, you even said that because I had a director say to me, you know, well, what's, how old are you? Well, my acting range is 35 to 55. He started laughing. He goes, all right, so you're, you're in your 50s. And I started laughing. He goes, well... The majority of 50-year-old actors don't have their stuff together. I go, what do you mean? He goes, they're fly-by-night, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you look at the majority of male actors, Daniel Craig, right? Uh, um, there's so many that come to mind. They're coming in their own, 50 to 70. Liam Neeson, Qui-Gon Jinn, 70 years old, okay? If he comes out with another, uh, you know, uh, a kidnap movie, my gosh. So- You've got these older actors, and it's a career that I can do until the good Lord takes me home. So, but men seem to come into their stride later on. Okay. So it behooves me to do what I need to do to stay in shape. It's part of my job. It goes back to what I said earlier it's a business. Maintaining my instrument is part of my business. You know, if that if that makes sense, if I was a barber, I'd make sure I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't be all kinky curly like I am now. Right. (laughs) If I was a dentist, you see, you you know where I'm going. So part of my job is to maintain my instrument. No, absolutely. No, fair point. And and Lou, sorry, before before you jump in, the other question I had was you mentioned like the, the face of PTSD and just in some of the the recent things you're doing, like the indie stuff. There's quite a different range. So you've got Killer Miller, uh, yes, Western. Yes. The PTSD, which is, yeah, like you said, a promotion for veterans. And I'm quite keen after to understand, well, you've kind of already said it. I, I was going to ask why you got involved in that. And it seems, it seems like you've got a very strong inclination for, for putting back, uh, helping the veterans. The Man in Black or the Strange Man in Black, there's a bit of sci-fi there. Yes. Luna, which seemed to be a bit more, they're, they're a bit more e- emotional, even in just a trailer. So it seems to be you are definitely picking different genres and, and, and different ranges. And, and again, is that intentional? Totally, totally intentional. I've always been of the mindset and I, you know, I kind of, you know, I just negated what I said before. I never say no because you never know what's going to hit uh, case in point, uh, unlawful duties, unlawful duties. It's got to be close to 5 million views on Amazon prime. It is crazy. So, here I am. I think it's I think it's like a Wednesday night, Wednesday third. When it's a Wednesday night, I get a call from Sunil Konarni, writer producer. Hey Dan, how you doing? Great brother. Now I met him on set. 
you know, uh, you know, along along the journey. How you doing, man? Doing great, brother. Hey, I got Christopher Avant in town. Chris was from Vegas. I go, okay. I go, what's going on? He goes, what do you got going on this week? And I go, something just fell through. I'm wide open. What do you need? Hey, man, can you help us out? Whatever you need, I'm yours. Great. Let me send you the script. You're going to work along with Chris. You guys are cops, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Now, we've worked with Chris before. We're like, we, we totally, we work well together. So I show up on set and I'm like, well, what's going on? He goes, well, we just fired the lead, your role. We just fired him because he shows up on set and he was acting like a prima donna. Now, it's an indie short. There's two actors, three, four actors. You're, you're an indie prima donna. It's kind of like an oxymoron. Independent film prima donna. What? So, and Chris and I just started reading the lines. And Sunil's like, wow, I, I really see it. I really see it. Well, I have an affinity towards Chris. We've got great rapport. And it comes across on camera. Okay, so we shot a few days, you know, and now we're making a, uh, a feature film out of it. He's taking care of the budget. I'm in about almost half the script. I'm working with Eric Roberts. I'm working with a few other, a few other named actors. So it goes back to what I said, Dan, you just never know. So I do a lot of indie stuff with stuff across the board, uh, characters across the board. And yes, there is intention for that. Because when you see my reel or when you look me up, I want to be the crazy guy. I want to be the lover. I want to be the dirty cop. I want to be the psycho killer. I want to be the doctor. I want to be everything across the board. And it plays into my love of what I do. I think you fulfilled every kid's dream with Killer Miller. I mean, who, who wouldn't <laughs> want to be a sheriff in the Wild West, <laughs> you know, riding a horse, catching the bad guy? Well, did you like that hair? Yeah, that was good. It, it took me. It took me about six months. Now here's. I, I usually wear it like this. That was my hair. Okay. Now okay. it it it's curly. You pull it out. It's down to about here. It's down to my shoulder. It curls up. It's over here. So it didn't grow long. It went boing. You know, howdy doody. The beard. I'm Italian, so the beard came in overnight. All right. I'm Italian, Irish, Brazilian. So you need a beard. All right, give me two days. But. um I learned how to ride a horse. Now, now, here's the funny thing. Remember, I never say no. R.J. Hendricks, producer, calls me up, rider, producer. You know how to ride a horse, right? Yes, sir. Yes, I do. All right, good. When are we filming? Uh, about six months. Whew. All right. Yeah. Sign the contract. What did I do the next day? Learn how to ride a horse. <laughs> Learn how to ride a horse. Brilliant. Now, thank God he didn't say, can you parachute out of a plane? And thank <laughs> yeah. God he didn't say, we need you tomorrow. I would have been... I would have been up to Thames without a paddle, right? It's just, you look at the experiences, you look at what's going on, you know, name any good actor. Let's go back to Keanu Reeves. He learned how to surf. If you didn't already know how to surf, he learned how to jump out of a plane. I'm saying the movie Point Break. Uh, there's so much you need to learn and so much that they will teach you, but you also have to bring a lot of things to the table. With this MMA movie, I've got my 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 uh, my first degree black belt in Taekwondo from back in the day, so I have a general understanding. I'm not going to grapple with you or fight with you, okay, at this age, but I've got a general understanding and I can I can take care of business. So if you if you meet them halfway and go a little more, you're always going to work and you're going to develop such a great reputation 
and people are going to start following you. People are going to start liking what you do. <laughs> it, what you just said as well about being caught on needing to do things that you previously might not have done as well. It reminds me of a story. Was it Anna Diarmas who took the role in War Dogs and didn't speak English? She actually she she basically fraudulently got her role without speaking English. And then I think they asked her a question on set. And she had no idea how to respond. Oh so she had to enroll in English lessons as the film went on, which is uh, quite a cool one. <laughs> I got cast in a uh, period piece and I was going to be, I, I'm going to, I'm going to screw this up. So my apologies, a Russian general. And can you speak Russian? Not at this moment. When are we filming? <laughs> oh, six months, eight months. Okay. Sign the contract and I'll go, I'll go learn Russian or enough to be conversational. And you do what you need to do. You do what you need to do. I I get cast in certain Spanish commercials because I'm fortunate enough to be ethnically ambiguous. That's a new term from a casting perspective. So that's fine by me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You want me to get a tan? You want me to go pale, shave the head? I don't care. But it is good to learn and to be challenged to add different skills. I mean, I, I would, you know, people ask me, you know, what, what's your ideal role? Well, I am the next Mandalorian. No, I'm not. But I, I love, or, or I'm the, I'm the next Jedi Knight. Can you imagine learning the lightsaber skills, right? You see Anakin and Obi-Wan going at it. Oh my gosh. Come on. I was going to say, we'll tag this in because I know you're a huge sci-fi fan, aren't you? So you don't know. Oh my God. Do your pitch now and absolutely I'll tag Disney. Oh my gosh. I, you know, I would give my left anything to be in, you know, Andor, you know, um, uh, Ahsoka, anything with Star Wars, anything. You want to make me a stormtrooper and blow me up in the first five minutes. You want to put a (laughs) lightsaber in my hand. I will fly myself anywhere. The same thing with, with Dune, Denny Villeneuve, you know, I, 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 but I was putting it out there. He hasn't listened to my podcast yet, obviously, because I'm not on set with him. But I love what he's doing. He's taking his time and doing it right. I auditioned for House of the Dragon. Okay? Oh, okay. And here, here's the funny part. My audition was a monologue from Dune <laughs> for House <laughs> of the Dragon. I didn't get it. I'm too dark to be a Targaryen. But it's just the opportunities are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, I, I'm losing roles now to actors that I love and admire. Or I'm getting roles for people that I love and admire that have passed on them. And I'm like, wait, my name is in the same vernacular as who? Whoa. And it's a ground, it's a humbling moment. It's uh, you take five seconds, give yourself a pat, and then grind it out because you must be doing something right. I was going to ask then, in light of what you said, because I know you mentioned Mandalorian, you mentioned Star Wars a little bit. What is your dream, dream role? Even if it was past, if you could have played any character, who would it have been? Fade Ratha in Dune. <laughs> Sting. Or, you know, the Baron, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen or Duke Leto. Oscar Isaac was amazing. Uh, I forget. Pin, uh, Pinshaw, I believe, was the... F- I forget his first name, and please forgive me. Uh, the gentleman who did the '86 version of Dune, seamless, love it. I I would have loved to have that role. I mean, but there's so much content in the Dune books 
that I I would say on many different podcasts, look, make me a Fremen. Okay. And if you upgrade me, make me a Fedekeen. And if you want to blow me up in the first five minutes, that's fine. At least I was there. You know, I got to credit Dennis Mellon blown up Fedekeen. You know. <laughs> I'll make this happen, Lou. We go make this happen. Yeah, I'll ride Shai Hulud. You want me to be eaten by Shai Hulud? Done. It's it's funny. I was in Godzilla back in the 90s. And friends of mine, oh, yeah, you got stepped on by Godzilla. No, I didn't <laughs> get stepped on by Godzilla. I was in this scene where he's coming up Wall Street and you see me predominantly. You see me with the mayor. I was a councilman. And um, it doesn't, you, you don't know who's watching and you don't know who remembers what. I've gotten calls from casting directors. Yeah, I remember seeing that commercial that you did with that widget back in 2001. All right. I'm glad you remember it. Glad I don't remember Jack. <laughs> I just, so <laughs> you never know. All right, so, so you mentioned Godzilla, and so we, we've skirted around some of the, the big ones. So we mentioned yes. uh, Devil's Advocate, Irishman, um, Godzilla. And that, that was quite early on. So what did you take from that? And the secondary question then, so firstly is what did you take from doing such big films or working with such big actors early on? Sure. The second question is, based on the story I know, and, and you could tell, uh, I'm not sure, Lou, if you've heard it, was there an expectation or perception from a lot of people that I, I don't know what the, the the right term now is. is it extras or background actors that a lot of them just wanted to turn up to make up the numbers or that's what they thought they would do and I know that feeds into a story that you've got about devil's advocate I'll, I'll answer it backwards you know I think it's all about your int- your intention I think you always have to have an intention if you if you're just an extra or a background actor, same thing. It's not offensive, and you're just walking by on the street. You have to have an intention. You you just you just why am I walking? Am I with my spouse? Am I with a buddy? If the camera has back of my head, it's in front of me. Whatever, I'm still getting paid as an actor, regardless of my script or no script. I still have to have an intention. So. You always have to bring in attention because you never know what's going to happen. And that's a great question, Dan. And it's kind of a lead in, which that is brilliant of you. You know, early on, I came to these big films with intentions, few intentions. First to shut up, ears open, eyes wide open and learn. Okay, because here's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Who knows what tomorrow is going to bring? And when you have the proper attitude and the proper, what's the other word I'm looking for? People just see it. People just, just, just see the proper mindset, the proper attitude, and so on. Um, picked out of a crowd in Devil's Advocate. Picked out of a crowd in Celebrity, Woody Allen's film. Picked out of a crowd in uh, Godzilla. Uh, picked out of a crowd in, in The Irishman. Just various, various things. And I believe it comes down to you know, I'm lucky. And my definition of luck, and you, you've heard this before, I'm sure, it's when preparedness meets opportunity. Yeah. Okay. You are there to do a job. Now, I'm not telling you I don't enjoy what I do and I don't make friends and have relationships. I'm there to work. I'm not there to hit on somebody. I'm not there to gossip. I'm not there to BS. I'm not going to get political. I'm here to work. Time is money. So I'm going to be prepared. Tom Hanks, Love Tom Hanks. I read a book of his years ago. He said, if you're on time, you're late. Okay. 
you have to be off book and you have to bring 10 different ideas because you have to show the director your thought process. That applies to being background. That applies to being supporting. That applies to being lead. If you live your acting life, if you live your whole life, <laughs> you know, based on a few different tenets like that. So get picked out of the crowd, devil's advocate. Now, mind you, as I said, this is my first SAG feature. First SAG feature. I'm in the biggest courtroom scene of the century. If you remember, Craig T. Nelson killed his wife, etc., etc. Now, Taylor Hackford was, a, was the director. Big, burly Viking guy. As, you know, back, you know, I'm 6'1". He could have been 5'2". I don't know. But just his perception of me. Big, ah, big head of hair, big, burly Viking. I've got Mr. Pacino over my right shoulder. Keanu in front of me. Craig T. Nelson to the left of me. We all settle in. Now, I'm, I'm thinking, okay. Okay, what's my intention? Well, I'm I'm obviously a lawyer. I'm sitting here. I'm a lawyer. Okay, I'm I'm within this little realm, the circle. I'm a lawyer, damn it. I'm a lawyer, and <laughs> yeah. action. And I start kind of looking and leaning in, and and you know, ooh and on ah, like lawyers would do, right? Because that's what lawyers do. Cut you, you out. And he looks at me. He goes, "No, you're fine." And I'm like, "What the? What what, what just happened? The two extras next to me were kicked out." And I, I lean over my shoulder instinctively, and there's the voice of God behind me. Ah, you're fine, kid. Thank you, thank you, sir. <laughs> okay, you know where I'm going. Yeah. That, thank, thank you. I think that, 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 thank you. And then Keanu's looking at me. I, I smiled, and he smiled. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Awesome. Well, I'm like, really? What, what just happened? And then some other people filed in. On the break, I grabbed this. I go, what happened? He goes, well, they were just sitting there like, like stuck. They just couldn't emote. They couldn't react. I go, really? He goes, yeah, man. He goes, you look great. You were just, you were juking and jiving. You were just into the whole thing. I'm like, okay, wasn't well, that what you're supposed to do? I'm thinking to myself, I didn't voice that because I'm a professional. I don't, you know, that's what I do. But oh my gosh. So one scene, second scene, third scene, I'm busting out of the courtroom. There's two doors. The far door, I'm the first one. Bang. I go through the bat wing doors. I make a left. I am mugging the camera. I'm walking right into the camera. Ten seconds. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to get thrown out. I'm going to get cut. I'm going to yell that. They kept that scene in. <laughs> they kept that scene in. So here I am, I guess, a year or so later because editing takes forever. And I find myself in Arkansas because that's where good actors go. We hang out in Arkansas. I don't know. Nothing wrong with Arkansas. Love it. And I'm watching Devil's Advocate. Now, I didn't know the whole premise. I didn't know the sides. I didn't know the whole premise. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is, oh, wow. And I'm like, I'm watching Pacino and his performance and Keanu and, um, you know, uh, Charlize Theron and so many other supporting actors, of which I've seen and worked with about a dozen of the supporting actors throughout Manhattan. So here comes my scene. You see me next to Pacino. And then you see me banging out these doors. And for five seconds, you see my big head and my ugly mug walking into the camera. And I'm thinking, this is surreal. Either they kept it in because it was surreal and could have been creepy, could have added to the creepiness of, you know, of, of the premise. But I'm like, this is crazy, you know? And I'm the only one in the theater. I'm by myself. So I'm like, do I clap? Do I stand up? What do I do? <laughs> Just be cool. 
you got to be cool about it. And that, I got to tell you, that really, that started the journey. And it's been, it's been so much fun. And um, I've tweaked the playbook a little bit. Look, I mean, telling a story about Mr. Pacino and I mean, how great is that? <laughs> it's so, so, like, so casual. That's such a flex. <laughs> well, I, you know, please, I, I'm not that guy, but I appreciate that. Uh, Keanu Reeves no longer returns my phone calls, nor, nor does Mr. Pacino. So I don't know if I'm that, <laughs> if I'm that bougie, you know? What do you think then, in, in your mind, what's your either favorite or you think your, your, yeah, yeah, your favorite, actually, your favorite performance from your body of work? I got to tell you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an answer. That's a true answer. And it's kind of, it's like American football asking Tom Brady what the best Super Bowl one was the last one. They were all special. And I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you that, that canned answer and, and be insincere about it. All of them, all of them, the roles where I've been the background, where I've produced and been background, which is even a lot more fun. Uh, the supporting roles, the lead roles, really everything across the board to do what we do and to be at it for a long time. Now, I'm still on my journey. I'm not even close to where I want to be. And my goals are so, so high for myself. <laughs> I keep uh, I keep pushing every day. So I appreciate that. Heartfelt. I really do. It's every every role is dear to me and special to me. And I, I, I bring 150 percent of myself with everything that I do. Sorry for the cop out. I, I'd love to be able to work with Mr. Pacino again, one-on-one -on -one where it's more than just, you know, yeah, kid, you're fine. You know, I, I'd love to just, and Keanu Reeves, what a sweetheart. You know, I think he's, I looked something up the other night. I think he's 56 and worth about $400 million. But what a sweetheart of a guy. Think, think about yeah. the stuff he's gone through in this life. And still he pushes forward every day. And he lives life and he's sincere and he's, he's a sweetheart. Oh my God, love to work with them again. And just, you know, there are things that are coming my way that I can't get into per se, but they're just, things are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And look, Dan, Lou, I mean, you just don't know who's listening. You don't know what your phone is going to ring tomorrow and who it's going to be. Because here's the thing, the auditioning aspect, it's like going to the gym and doing the reps. Okay. How are you going to get stronger? By looking at the weights? No, pick them up. I pick things up. I put things down. One, two, eh, eh, breathe. Okay. Auditioning is the same way. So I'll audition. I'll put it out there. And whatever happens, happens. And I move on. So mentally, I don't sit there and say, I've had 200 auditions. I haven't booked a damn thing. No, I just count the wins. So my mentality in life, even when I was running a sales team, now, I ran the analytics for my sales team very, very tight, but the analytics for myself, I was only counting my wins, okay? But what did I teach my sales team? I taught them good habits, where if you know it, every, every 10 phone calls, you're going to get three meetings, you're going to sit one, and you're going to close half of that, well, how many, how many phone calls do you need to make a day? You see where I'm going. Okay. It's the same thing with the auditioning process. It's the same thing with any business. I don't care if you make widgets. I don't care if you're if you're an actor. Ten auditions, okay, one callback, you'll get half a roll. Okay. Well, I've got to do 20 auditions, two callbacks, I'll nail one. 
and that's what happened. I got a call uh, last week. I'm going to be on the uh, on the set of a National Geographic uh, shark documentary in uh, in October for two weeks. Okay. I don't remember auditioning, though they said we love your audition. Thank you so much. <laughs> Woohoo! Thank you. I don't remember. That's okay. Part of my process. But here I am booked. You know, am I going to be shark bait? I hope not. <laughs> am I going to be saving the damsel in distress? I don't. I don't know. But um, it, it's a circuitous way to answer your question. I just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's crazy. It's a really good work ethic, though, and it seems like you take everything as a learning experience. So by counting wins, everything kind of comes as across as a right. What have I learned from that situation? What's going to change moving forward? How are you going to learn to improve for the future? So it's yeah, it's this is what I mean. You'd be bang on for motivational speaking as well. I feel like that could be you, you've got so much to juggle now. <laughs> sure, I, I'm open for another revenue stream, Lou. If you want to fly me over the pond, man, I'll put me put me in front of a group for an hour. Um, you know, there, life is what life is a learning process. Life is a learning process. The, the moment you start learn, stop learning, the moment you're dead, right? And that's I've been, you know, I was so fortunate to have great mentors early on in my life and read great books. Now, out of out of college, my father got me to the utility company. Dan, you 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 love this story. I don't know if I've ever told it. I was uh, I was a clerk in a union environment at the utility company and i'm a restless soul obviously i'm sure you can tell that in the first two minutes i did everything i could to get fired from this company it's a union job i couldn't get fired now my father's there his life here's dennis jr i'm meant for greatness Uh -uh, not there i just met with a buddy of mine from high school that's been at at the same company he's very successful and i said mike I go, if I was still a clerk, I'd be there for 30 years now. I'd be making top union stuff. Management would hate me. I would be brain dead. And all I'm doing is pushing papers back and forth. I, I, I couldn't do it back then. And they wouldn't damn fire me. I had to quit. He starts laughing. He goes, he goes no. He goes, you are right. He goes, there's nothing creative at it. There's, you're, not, you're not the CEO of a utility company. You're not international this, international that. So I really, you know, things happen in mysterious ways and things happen for a reason. And, uh, I'm, you know, kind of, you look back, did I lose money? Yeah. So what? What have I gained? What have I done differently? You know, if I would have been there, I would have gone postal. I, I couldn't do that. So did I put my, my wife at the time at risk? Maybe, maybe not, but my work ethic, I made up for it in technology and everything else. So, so I think that's absolutely the right thing. I mean, we, you know, we kind of we're born and we then go on a progression that we think we have to have. You have to go through school, you have to prepare yourself for a career, you have to meet a partner, you have to get married, you have to settle down, you have to do that, that grind, that nine to five. But it's, it's whether you're willing, and it's probably something maybe I've learned a a little late as well um, is you've got to push yourself outside of the normal comfort zones and, and, and boundaries to make something different happen for yourself. Because as, I think as you've kind of said all the way along, it's not going to happen unless you make it happen. Right. You know, Dan, how many times you, you pass by a cemetery, how many people are buried in the cemetery with music left inside of them? Yeah. Absolutely. Think about that. How many yeah. people 
are already dead. We just haven't buried them yet. Now that's unfortunate. And Lou, you can write that down and make a meme out of it and give me credit. Don't give me credit. I don't care. But the point being, it's true. And it makes you think. It, it really, it really makes you think. I'm going to leave it all on the field. I'm going to die trying, you know, and. Uh, 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 sorry, I don't know. I'm, I'm just jumping in because something you said there has really struck a chord with me. So I, I was and am a huge fan of talk radio, speech radio. And that is the disappearing medium over here, I think. I don't know about in the States. Now, what I found about that, like the true speech radio, was you could feature people. There, there were so many people with stories out there. And I'll never forget this on, on one show, this this elderly lady called up. And at first, you know, they're kind of laughing because she, she seemed like she was elderly. She, she wasn't sure about what she was doing. But then she starts saying that she used to sing in, like sing for the forces and sing in all these places. And she was like a, an accomplished singer. But that story wouldn't have been told, wouldn't, wouldn't have been aired if it wasn't for the fact that there was that medium to to express that. And I think it just it just struck a chord when you said that about how many people die without that, that music and that, those stories in them. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, if the good Lord takes me today, you know, what, what legacy have I left? Well, I think I have, you know, affected some people somewhere i think i've been able to give people nuggets that either they've implemented in their lives or not but i'm not the kind of guy to sit around and get fat and lazy i i've never done if my children follow my work ethic if they're on their own journey which they are god bless them and and let them achieve and let them be blessed and achieve what they're meant to achieve and accomplish what they're meant to accomplish but if i can help anybody with anything yeah, I was listening to a podcast once, I guess about a year, a year and a half ago. And there was a former, there was a founder of uh, of Walmart outside of Sam Walton and the Walton family. So this guy's worth, I don't know, $200 billion, something obscene, right? And I don't know, it was 85. He was just out there and you can tell in his voice and he's been there, done that. And he put out a cell phone number. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm not going to do that because that's pretty crazy. But he, he put his cell phone number on. He's like, look, if I can help anybody with anything, it might take me a day to get back to you. <laughs> but here's a, a billionaire founder of Fortune X company putting out his personal number. Now, is it a second phone? I don't know. I'm not going to, I don't care. I'm not going to question that. But, you know, to be of servitude, to be of service to fellow man, woman, to human beings, there's there's something about that. And one of my goals and affirmations, you know, one, my business plan, my mission statement is to serve through my art, serve through my finances, serve through my being, serve through who I am. And that's that's what it comes down to for me. Some people would agree with that. Some people don't. I mean, whatever. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm at a point in my life where if you want to talk about me, yeah, go ahead. If you want to tell everybody how Dennis Mallon sucks as an actor, that's good, too because you're still talking about me. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, still no, occupy fair outlook, yeah. I, I still that's occupy nice. space in your brain. But that's you know, that's it's we, we we come around and we're here for such an infinitesimal amount of time to just do the best we can. And that's look, did I have a past life and I was, you know, in a, a servitude perspective? I don't know. I don't know. I, I do believe in that, but uh you know, here we are. And all the experiences that we've gone through, good, bad, or indifferent, have, have led us to where we are today. You know, you've got Absolutely. to wake up every Absolutely. day and make a decision. 
I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say absolutely. And and even for small decisions, you think like doing this podcast gets us to talk to people like yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, and uh, allows me to reach out to, you know, talk to gentlemen like yourselves and reach out to, 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 to your, your viewers and your listeners and stuff like that. And really it, you, you don't know who we're impacting. You don't know who's going to listen today, tomorrow, the next day and who's imp- who we're impacting. But that alone motivates me. And like you wake up and you have to make a decision. Are you going to be a victor or are you going to be a victim? You know, unfortunately, it's so much easier to go on the victim side to stay in bed all day. It takes work and effort because unfortunately, the human existence leads negatively. You know, you, you wake up, you put on any news channel. Oh, my God, I don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> the, the world's falling apart around us get on with your life, <laughs> get, get on with your life. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's, this life is interesting and it's what you make of it. That is such an inspirational line there. I was kind of going to say that some of the previous actors you've mentioned, I have previously had discussion with friends and colleagues, and I don't know if it's me maybe romanticizing about the past, but I I keep saying that I think we're losing some of the great character actors, I think. And and what I say by that is the on-screen presence like um, De Niro, Pacino. You know, I think we've got a couple of, I say modern examples. I think DiCaprio for me kind of fits in there. I'm talking about the people that have a breadth and depth of catalogue. Um, Tom Hanks, I think, has, has done well, if you think from his like 80s family films to some of his more recent things. Are we in danger of kind of losing that because we're moving more to like streaming and sequels and we're the the, the kind of films we're making now when i say now like you know there's a there's a whole audience and appetite for like the 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 cookie cut which i love like marvel films etc are we in danger of losing some of these character type actors i'm gonna have a long drawn out answer go figure right because that's what i've been giving you all day so far you know You've got the Michael Keatons. Now, across the pond, you've got Kenneth Branagh, which is one of my mentors from afar. Okay? Okay. You've got, oh, Patty Considine, House of the Dragon. Oh, my God. Right? So, do I think, and, and here's the way I look at all the streaming services and everything that's going on. There's a ton of content out there. And there's a ton, there's a lot of people yearning for new movies and for for new things the reboots it is what it is it's a business you've got to make money etc 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 but there's enough content out there and there's enough streaming services i mean game of thrones and house of dragon house of the dragon excuse me are two great examples outside of patty constantine name me one more actor that we know that's on house of dragons well that the hand of the king uh hightower Rin, I'm going to screw up the name, so I'm not going to try it. But I've seen that guy. He looks like a soccer hooligan, but another great actor. But outside of that, go to the IMDb and look through and t- take it offline and hit me up and say, how many do you know? I know Patty Considine, right? And I was, I looked up, I looked him up. I was like, wow, I know this guy. I've, I've watched his work. He's amazing. Um, Hightower, the hand of the king. I'm like, oh, my God, I, I know that guy. Okay. But outside of that, the ensemble of what, 50 plus actors, how many of them are new? 
now when I say new, maybe new not acting, but new to such a big break as they're having. Game of Thrones, Kid Harrington, that was his first everything. That was his first everything. Where do you go from here? Okay? So it allows me to keep faith that there will be new, I dare say better, uh, uh, more depth uh, content. And yes, we have a whole new generation of character actors, uh, like some of the ones you just mentioned, uh, that are coming up and that we haven't even seen yet. How old is Patty Considine? Maybe 50? I don't know. And he just played King Viserys? I, I think tonight's the last episode of him. Don't say anything. Shh. By the time you air this, it's going to be aired, right? Do you think he's got a future ahead of him? Oh, yeah. Kenneth Branagh. Hamlet. When I need a master's course, I sit down and I watch Hamlet. Why? Oh, because he played Hamlet. He directed it. He produced it. And oh, by the way, he played Hamlet. And every named actor was in Hamlet. So I I don't think, and that's a great question, because you could say 20 years ago, you know, we lost, uh, we lost Cary Grant. We lost all these other actors. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of names to give you. Um, the butler and Arthur. God forgive me, he's such, so better than that. Yeah, okay. Know, you mean, but, yeah. Okay, you got Derek Jacoby that's still around. Yes. You've got um, Gandalf the Grey, Ian McClellan. Okay, now mind you, they're in their dotage, but there's still so many people that are coming up. There's still so many people that are that are on the rise that are having an opportunity. And let's face it, there are people that we that we watch today and we're like, yeah, they're 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 maturing. You said Leo DiCaprio. Leo's been amazing. He's been amazing his entire career. He just got the Oscar. God bless. How old is Leo? Thirty five, maybe forty, I don't know. But do you think he's got another lifetime ahead of him and oh another ton of great movies? Yeah. Look, look at Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was interviewed by a news outlet a while ago. And they said, you've got like, you want, you're like one of the hardest working actors. You've got a thousand different movies on IMDb. He's like, what's IMDb? They're like, you don't know what it, it's, it's like the listing. Oh, okay. That's cool. He just works and just keeps grinding away. That's what I always had. My, my father would always bring up. I don't understand. John Smith's been acting forever. He's got more money than God. Why does he still do it? Because he loves what he does. And when you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Yeah, but how much money is enough? It's not about the money. It's not about the money. When you get to that level. But that's it. But if you're doing kind of pushing yourself to be different things like you, you're learning horse riding one month, you're learning Russian the next. So it's (laughs) always something new as well for the ride. I picked up a Southern accent that I had to use a few different (laughs) times. And, you know, imitation is the best form of flattery. Bless your heart. So... (laughs) You know, I, uh, um, Kevin, not Kevin Bacon, uh, Kevin Spacey, like him, don't like him. It doesn't matter. He's a great actor. Uh, good, um, evil in the, I'm going to screw this up. Evil in the garden. No, a great movie that he did with uh, Jude Law. There's another great actor, Jude Law, right? The young Pope. Oh my gosh. That was a great, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love how that Italian director, that was, uh, that was avant-garde. Look at, um, what's the other HBO show? Industry. Uh, what's the one with Zendaya? I mean, there's so many good 
young actors and that are just on their way up that are just making things happen. And I can't watch every show. I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch my news. I watch my dragons. But there's so much out there. And there's so much content. I am excited and optimistic and overjoyed about what tomorrow brings. I try to work with young directors because I don't know who's next. And you know what I mean by by next, right? Who's the next Scorsese? Who's the next Lucas? Who's the next? Who's the next? And if I work with you and I hope you like what I do when we hit it off, well, I hope you might remember me, you know, (laughs) as you make your bones and grow your business. So with um, something that Dan linked on to as well, because obviously he was talking about the way that media is now and that sort of thing. Do you think opportunities for actors are better than they not better? That's not the right way to put it, but uh, are more accessible probably than they were maybe in the 90s, given the fact that nowadays, you know, you've got big streaming services, that sort of thing. When I started out, I was kind of pigeonholed in Manhattan. I could only play the young dad and the young businessman. And I was like, damn it, how come I can't play that skinny little Calvin Klein model? How, how come? I'm just as ugly as them. How come? And I, I kind of, I looked at myself and I, I said to myself, okay, you've got a full-time gig, so you're not, you're not a starving actor. You're not a starving artist. Um, you need to play the numbers. You need to do what you need to do. Now, are there more opportunities per se? I don't know. And I, I'm going to qualify that. I've been very fortunate to work and be pretty consistent at working. So are there more opportunities today? I think the public, I think the industry is starved for newer ideas and newer content. And there's a lot more outlets today, a lot more studios in Hollywood, New York, you know, around the country. Uh, a lot more streaming services. So just from that perspective alone, I think there is a lot more out there. And a, a good friend of mine, Mindy Merriweather, big casting agent over in West Palm Beach, Florida, she said something to me going out about two years now. She goes, if you can keep yourself busy during the pandemic, of which I was working a lot during the pandemic, which is crazy. If you can keep yourself busy during the pandemic, once everything subsides and the industry opens up, you're going to be busy because people are watching you. So I know the level of stuff that's coming my way and, you know, I'm not even where I want to be yet. I do feel I'm on a really good journey, but yeah, you know, a lot of people say in Florida, Oh, there's nothing going on in Florida. And I just smile and I just kind of nod my head and walk away. Well, guess where I live? I'm in Florida, United States, and I'm busy. So it goes to your mentality saying there's nothing going on. Okay, Johnny, you're right. I'm not going to try to convince you either way. If you say the sky is falling, I'm going to run from you because I don't want you in my, in my sphere. I don't, want, I don't want to get your stink on me. I'm going to keep myself moving. So, you know, yeah, I, I think there is a lot more going on. I think we have a lot. Uh, there are a lot more colleges that are teaching people the craft. Now, it's like anything else. You can learn uh, sitting in the classroom or you can go do. Okay, I'm more of a doer. I've taken all two classes my entire career and they're very basic classes. I've learned that the best class is being on set. 
And maybe that's why, you know what, Lou, that's a great question. Cause maybe that's why even to today I go into something prepared, overly prepared, but still bright eyed and bushy tailed because there's always something I can learn from. There's yeah. always a nugget for me. If, if it's a younger actor, if it's a director, if it's a senior person, I'm always learning something. And, um, Oh my God, what's the movie in the movie chances. It's a, it's a dark movie. I don't know if you've had a chance to, to check it out. I worked with a, a young actor. There was his first everything. And he goes, he goes, Dennis, I'm really scared. I go, what's your problem? He goes, I, I, I won't be off book. I won't have the script memorized. I go, and excuse my cursing. I go, fuck the script. He goes, what do you mean? I go, I'm going to give you enough energy. You're going to, you know, the intention, you're going to stay in the moment. You're either going to want to kick my ass by Tom McDonough or give me a hug. And he's like, what are you talking? Like brand new kid. Didn't have a clue. Well, he had his own Leo, Leo DiCaprio moment. We're in the scene and I'm antagonizing him and I'm sarcastic and I'm antagonizing him. Well, he shows me his wrist and he cut himself. He bangs on the table, breaks the table, blood and wood chips come flying at my face. And all I'm thinking is stay with it, kid. Stay with it. Stay with it, kid. And, and he's like in my face, bop, 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 blood's running down his hand, blood's in my cheek, wood chips in my eyes. And all I'm thinking, stay with the kid. We went on another 15 seconds. Director calls cut. I look over and the director just shakes his head like he got it. He got it. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Django Unchained, Leo DiCaprio yeah. putting his hand in the glass. So that that was an amazing moment. So stuff like that. That's why everything... Every experience, every set, yeah. every movie means something. You know, you know. Well, I was with Pacino on this set. Well, okay, great. Love Mr. Pacino. I want to work with him again. But I was also with Joshua Wright. Who's that exactly on this set? And that's an up and comer. You know. Yeah. So you just you just put it out there, man. You just do your thing. Well, I'm looking at the time. I'm thinking two or three more questions because I could we we could probably talk for hours, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll get you back for part two. You know what? I was going to say this at the end after we'd logged off, but this is one of the few podcasts where I've just wanted to listen and listen and listen to somebody that we've had on because you're like mesmerizing me. Ah. <laughs> two or three questions, Lou. Have you got another one? Um, no, but I've got a little bit of a rebuttal to you with what you said about losing our big character actors, and I think don't argue because... over me, boys. <laughs> sorry um we, arms are big enough for the both of us um, i think as well you made the point about losing the great character actors but i don't know if that's not because we look at the type of media that we have now we've got netflix amazon all of these companies making huge originals and the breadth of work whereas back in that like 80s 90s period the only time you had exposure to these actors was in your big blockbusters that you saw at cinemas and I think as a result, it was almost like it, the big films were monopolized by a particular group of actors that we consider to be now like the Hollywood elite. Whereas now we've got access to so many different actors that are up and comers in Netflix originals. And I feel like it's because more actors now are becoming household names as opposed to it being kind of monopolized by that Hollywood elite. See, no, I, I get your point. And it's actually a section of questions here which we're not going to get onto because I was going to look at streaming and but I, th I think what I meant was are we losing actors who are less willing to take on 
a wider variety of roles because it's right, too okay. easy now to do the Netflix original or the next superhero film or the next sci-fi. I, I, I think that's what it was. Rather than not getting household names, it's our actors afraid, not afraid, but not being necessarily presented with the opportunity to take on yeah. something random. Well, Sir Alec Guinness taking on, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, Sir Alec Guinness was what? He was a, a theater actor. He was a classic actor, classically trained. And, you know, again, my being a big Star Wars guy, you know, the question came up, you know, what intrigued you? Well, I was intrigued by this up and coming guy, you know, Lucas, George Lucas. And I kind of read it and it's something I've never done before, you know? So it, it was intriguing to do something different. Um, um, oh my God. Grand Muff Tarkington. What's that actor's name? It's not Cushing, is it? No. Peter Cushing. Thank you. Peter Cushing. Yeah. Good job, Dan. Peter Cushing. I mean, think about it. Now, is Patty Considine going to be, going to be, uh, um, regretting House of Dragons? Hell no. You know, is Obi-Wan going to be regretting playing Obi-Wan? No. So, you know, it's really, it, it's really up, up to the actor. And like you said, I like different characters. I don't want to be pigeonholed in anything. But if I get, you know, House of the Dragon or I get Dune or I get whatever, and I'm a, I'm a character, by all means. But I'll do that and I'll do other things too. You got to keep your instrument sharp. You got to keep your instrument fine-tuned and go at it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, I've got a couple of questions then, and then we could potentially look at start wrapping up and give you a chance to promote your socials or or if there's you want to direct people to a certain place. The question I had is, you've, you've mentioned it as well, you've already said that you you like to keep busy and you've got a hell of a lot of projects still in the can and coming out, you know, over the next year or so. Is it frustrating or not not necessarily frustrating as as a like a non-actor, non-producer, etc. It feels weird that you could do something and it might you might not see the light of day for two years. Is is that difficult? In in the beginning it's very difficult because you'll have friends and family. Well when's it coming out? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I'm just an actor. The check cleared. I moved on. I don't control <laughs> The editing process, I know nothing about the editing process. I'm not producing it. I don't know. So now it's if it even comes out, because I have stuff that it's been sitting in the can for, you know, over for a decade now, and I don't know what's going on, and it's really none of my business. But it is frustrating, especially in, in the beginning. Now, I, The Irishman took three years and about half a billion dollars to, uh, to edit, yeah. pay CGI, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, usually things take anywhere from six months to a year. And the value that I would add to that movie, and what is my job? Because there's a lot of people, and you saw all I have in pre-production, which I'm blessed. I got a bunch of things in pre-production. What do I need to do for that production I just, I just did? What could I do to help promote that and my value to that? Well, my value to that is, oh, to keep myself busy and to build me to build my brand. I've got a feature coming out called Great People. I've got the lead role in Great People. And if we have time, I'll tell you that story. If not, I'll love to come back. And I was texting Romeo Blade as we're talking, my apologies, the writer director. It's taken him about two years to do the editing. Now, it's his first everything. It's his first feature, it's his baby. Of course, he wants to take his time and do it right, but I've no control over that. But what do I have control over? I've got control over 
my work ethic and my attitude. So if I'm making myself more valuable to the street, more valuable to, let's say, Hollywood, you get my point. If my value on the street has gone up and my roles are getting bigger, once he comes out and promotes great people and promotes, oh, one of the lead actors, me, right? The value of everything goes up exponentially. But there are a lot of people that are sitting around for years waiting for that one project to hit. Well, it's like waiting for Godot. This is all I do. So in the interim, what do I need to do? I need to eat. I need to, to, I need to have my lifestyle. Well, what do I need to do? I need to work. But as I'm working, my value increases for that production. That's, oh, two years in the can waiting to come out. Does that make sense? Because a lot of people don't get it. A lot of people would rather sit there. And I get phone calls even to this day. Oh, hey, when are we going to do that project? Dude, I have no idea. What do you mean you don't know? I'm not the producer, dude. I'm an actor. I'm slated for it. I'm casting it today. But until I'm on set and the director says action, I've got no control. Okay? Yeah. So it is frustrating, but it's part of the process. And you need to get over it really quick because you're going to be very frustrated. You know? So that's it, it's part of the actor's maturation process because there's certain things you can't control. No, you can control do the best you can and take care of your number one, take care of brand. If you take care of brand, everything you've been in will be that much more valuable in the end. I guess that's because it's something that's inevitable to happen. So you can never let yourself get down about that because it's just going to be a recurring thing anyway. So it's, yeah, like you said, something that needs to be kind of tackled early on so that I, I just finished champion. I was on set for a few days and I'm like, you guys going to have this out for Christmas tongue in cheek. No, we're thinking, uh, we're thinking next Christmas. And I'm like, and you know, I'm like, hey, I go, that it, it is what it is, a year and change. But then I'll ask, I, I've got, uh, I'm booked in December for a uh, feature film in Texas. I'm booked in January for uh, Nothing Sacred, which is really exciting. Uh, Johnny Greenleaf, writer director from New York City. And I asked him, we had a, a table read, uh, I guess two months ago, and we went out for drinks and and food afterwards. And I said, well, what's the game plan? He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, what's the post game plan? And he goes, you know, nobody ever asked me that. I go, well, this is what I've got going on. So it's all going to, you know, co coincide together. It's all going to hit collectively. And I know what I'm doing to build me and I know everything that's hitting. So what's the game plan? He goes, I'll give it to you. And he just outlined his marketing plan. And, and, and the people he's going to talk to to help take it and post and take it global and take it here and take it there. So, you know, it's when I produce, I produce like I run a business. I need to know the vision from cradle to grave because I'm going to be there every step and I want to help shepherd her through every step. I've got one final question. And if it were me, I'd be probably bouncing all over the place. When you do sort of start winning these awards, so like I said, I think Killer Miller had about 40, I think, and it won the can, didn't it, this year? Killer, and Killer Miller. You won a couple from that as well. So award winner, Dennis Mellon. How does that sound when you first see it? <laughs> <laughs> I come home to a house and I look at my cats and my cats look at me. And, you know, I said, <laughs> what do you think? We just won cans. And they look at me and they're like, I'm hungry. Are you going to feed me? I'll call to you later. We'll snuggle later. We'll celebrate later. But are you going to open up that fucking can? I'm hungry. 
<laughs> you know, it's 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 like your journey, right? We all drive a, an automobile. We all drive a car. We all have a GPS. We know where we want to get. When you use the GPS, you have road marks. You have, uh, you know, mile marker. Mile marker 1.1, the Garden State Parkway, New Jersey. You know what exit you're going? It helps me know that I'm on my journey. Okay. Nominated for this. Oh, that's great. Okay, I'm, I'm on the journey. Oh, you want you want best tracking? Okay, great. You, you're on your journey. It's a mile marker. You're growing. You're growing. You're growing. Killer Miller garnered, I think we're on about 85 plus. All before it even came to the States. It started off in Europe and just went on fire. Then came to the States. And I picked up two international best actors. I picked up one in the States and just a ton of ton of nominations. Back to my mentality, you never know. Unlawful duties, 5 million views, huh? What? 5 million civilians want to see my ugly mug? Great, sign me up. You just, you just so it's humbling. It, it helps you know you're on the right track. It helps you know that, you know, you still have a lot to do. And look, I'd love to be like Pat, you know, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Well, what's Daniel Day-Lewis doing right now? I have no idea. After Lincoln and after the Oscar, he fell off the face of the earth. Well, I'm not there yet. I need to do what I need to do. Do I live out loud? Not really. You know, I share with you my professional aspect of life. Uh, you know, I, I don't go into my personal aspect. You know, so it, it, it is what it is. I In today's day and age, you need to market yourself to get to a certain level. And I forget, maybe it was Sandra Bullock or somebody said, you know, you work hard, you market, you market, you market, you're out there, you're out there, you get to a certain level, and now you want to go hide. <laughs> it's tough to go do. Do I want to hide? Yeah, I'm, I'm a shy guy, but I enjoy having an outlet. It's like, you remember Johnny Carson? Johnny loved being on TV. Johnny loved being in front of millions of people every night. He never had a rapport with Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon, he was a stranger to Ed McMahon. I'm not saying I'm that introvert, but you got to leave something you got to leave something back. I'm telling you all this because, yes, it does feel good. It does feel good that your peers look look at you, nominate you, appreciate you. And it really testifies and solidifies that you're on the right path. Lou, was there anything else, any questions from you? I did have some opinion questions, if you wanted to go through some of them. So Long live this the could king. be for everyone. Long live the king. <laughs> this, could, this could be some um, for everyone. Um, I was going to say, if you had to build a Mount Rushmore of actors, who would be your four? Pacino. Denzel. Um, Derek Jacoby and or Kenneth Branagh. It's not just four. I can keep going. I, you know, no, no, you have to cut someone. <laughs> I, well, I mean, please don't play it to, you know, don't let, you know, everybody else listen to this. And I'm, I screw myself. No, that's, that's a, that's a huge question. I'm going to say, I'm going to have to get back to you with another 20 actors. I, I don't know. That's a great question. Mind you, that question is also malleable based on time because someone could release two brilliant films in the next three years and all of a sudden that, that changes. So this is the thing. It's it's quite a cool, you know. If Christian Bale doesn't hear me mention his name and he calls me up and says, fuck you, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to come after you, Lou. But you just, you, just, you just never know, man. You just, 
I don't know that there are so many. I mean, you can you can go by box office. Tom Cruise. Now, will Tom ever win the Academy Award? Does he care? He laughs all the way to the bank. Keanu Reeves. You know, he laughs all the way to the bank, and he's such they're such beautiful people. Um, I don't know. Patrick Swayze, rest in peace. Robin Williams, rest in peace. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest. In, I don't know, man. Jennifer Lawrence, Daniel Day Lewis. You know, just just kind of just coming to mind. You know, if if uh, Oscar Isaac. Oh my God. Um, when when movies come out and these actors are in it, I'm like, I'm watching it. You know, certain certain draws, I just go watch it. Anything from Denny Del, uh, Villeneuve. You know. Anything, well, anything Scorsese, um, of course, Lucas, right? Spielberg, you know, Spike Lee, wherever he's been. I mean, there's just, there's, there's so much out there, man. It's just, I mean, we can go eight hours just going over a plethora of talent and who should be on that Mount Rushmore. Oh, my gosh. And, and again, you know, Richard Burton, okay? English actor Richard Burton, right? Married Elizabeth Taylor once, twice, three times, whatever that is. So, no, there's so much out there, bro. There's so much out there. That's not fair. Not a fair question. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to put you in your corner. Nah, you, you, got, try to, you got me boxed in. Okay, then. A different opinion-based one. Oh, there's another? In your Yeah, in your opinion, if you could do the best acting performances in your opinion of all time. So, you know, you don't have to do a top whatever, but the ones off the top of your mind that just immediately you'll never forget. Gladiator, Godfather, uh, Dune. That's just off the cuff, you know, Casablanca. Mm, Yeah. Oh my God. So I'm loving the range. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just pulling out of the blue, you know, there's um, all that and a ton more, man. You know, I, I look at the stuff, Hamlet, I said that earlier, yeah. you know, uh, anything with Derek Jacoby, Lord of the Rings, Ian McClellan, um, you know, what, whatever's on, I mean, st- you can watch all the Star Wars movies every other day, they're running on whatever channel, and if I know, you know, New Hope, and I've seen it a thousand times, I'm still sitting there saying, <laughs> they got the, they, they blew up the Death Star, oh my God, Luke turned <laughs> off his monitor, Luke, are you okay? Yes, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> You know, trust the force, Luke. Okay. Do, do. You know, just, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Dan, have you got any that immediately stick out to you? I think it's going to be, I think one that Dennis has mentioned, I think it's the Godfather films. I grew up with those and, and I just Same think here. they are great. You know, there's everything in it. There's a drama. There's a little bit of comedy. There's there's kind of like the 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 family story behind it. The betrayal. I I think they're brilliant. You know, I'm Irish, Italian, Brazilian. My my grandfather, my mother's father was from Calabria, Italy. My mother's mother from São Paulo, Brazil. You go over there for Sunday dinner every Sunday. Pasta, blah blah. Uh, it's not tomato sauce. It's gravy. It's gravy. It's not tomato sauce. Uh, no, 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 no. We can't be doing this. End it now, Dan. End well, no, it now. <laughs> well, no. Well, this was something. We'll, we'll save it for the next episode. We do. But yeah, our family's actually Italian. So, so my parents are from Naples, or oh. just outside Naples. So we've had this strong Italian influence in in, in kind of our lives. Godfather's well, so. on Christmas, Easter, St. <laughs> Patty's Day, Wednesday night, and and. And you're just watching this and, you know, from five to 50, whatever 
you're just watching this movie and it's like, you know, okay, Long Island Expressway. I've driven on Long Island Expressway. Oh my gosh, that's where Sonny was killed. You know, Sonny was slaughtered. Oh my gosh, you know, the, 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 the house where they lived. Oh my. And I, I just read a book, Killing the Mob. And there's a lot of those characters are represented in Mario Puzo's books. And you're like, whoa, historical fiction, huh? Damn. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm losing it, Godfather. I'm losing it. Shut Be a man. Come on. <laughs> okay. Oh, and actually, just to your question, Lou, as well, and actually Pacino, Carlito's Way, love that film. Oh, yeah. Donnie Brasco and, and obviously Scarface. I mean, he's, you know, you forget some of the, the classics yeah. he's done. And I grew up, I loved all these mafia mobster films because it's not just about, you know, the mafia and the violence. There is that level of the respect, the family levels of betrayal and, and you know, the, the hierarchy element of these films. You know, and, and and not not to another thing. I think one of Tom Cruise's best movies, The Last Samurai, The Last Samurai. I don't know how it did at the box office. I don't care, but just for what he learned as an artist, and what he depicted, and what went through. I don't know how historically accurate it is. I have no idea, but uh, it's 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 an amazing movie, in my opinion. Excellent. Well, I, th- I think I, I really don't want to do this, but I think we're going to have to wrap up here. So, so Lou, any, any, anything else from yourself? Are you not going to ask me for my three best performances? Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, go on then. You do your, your performances. <laughs> I, thought, I thought really long and hard about my bloody question. Go ahead. What do you got, Lou? <laughs> okay, so I've got three performances for actors in films that stick out in my mind. Wait, 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 wait. Time else. out. You wrote it down? You wrote down no, your No, 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 I didn't. <laughs> No, 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 no. I've just, I've got them because they're just steamed into my brain. But you're looking at a piece of paper. You, re- you no, prepared. No. <laughs> That's not, damn. I've... It's the same. <laughs> Go ahead. So I've got, I think one of them has to be Heath Ledger as the Joker. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think it's just unbelievable performance. Yes. I've got Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. Yep. And then I think the final one for me, just in the darkness of the way it was depicted, is Ralph Fiennes as Amon Girth in Schindler's List. I think those three for me are performances that you would really struggle to top. Well, I think that, yeah. Thanks for shitting on my list and helping me forget <laughs> about those classics and those beautiful actors that will probably never work with me, Lou. Thank you, Lou. You have blackballed me from their list, Lou. I appreciate that. (laughs) We'll talk about them in the next episode, Dennis. Right. I'll let you know if Liam Neeson gets in contact. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. If Spielberg doesn't call me, Lou, I'll just make sure. Hey, Lou, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. I was going to say, Dennis, before we kind of wrap up, is there anything you kind of want to want to push people to, or the sort of anything upcoming or out now? There, you know, I, I've got a, I've got a bunch of stuff coming out. I've got great people, which is a feature film, and again, I don't know where, from a distrib- distribution perspective, where it's going. I'd love for people, if I can help anybody with anything, please find me, Dennis Mallon, M A L L E N. I'm all over the internet. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I do TikTok. I TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. And uh, if I can help anybody with anything, but please uh, follow me, join us on this journey, and uh, you're going to have as much fun as I am, and we're going to do it all together. So I appreciate that, and I appreciate you guys. 
I really do. Well, if you need two British kind of podcasters in a role or, or you need voice overs, you, you know where to find us. <laughs> don't you? So. I, I might have to hit you up to learn an English accent. I, 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 I lost a few things because I, I was like, all right, can you learn an English accent in two weeks? Oh, sure. Sure, sure, bloke. Sure, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh, like governor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you can't in two weeks. I called Jim DeMonica. He goes, well, what dialect? I go, English. He goes, well, you know, Cockney. I, I go, London. He goes, and, you know, you, he drills down. I go, Jim, I have no idea. He goes, we'll call the producer. I go, Jim, the producer has no idea. You know, so it's, <laughs> you know, I got to learn something in two weeks. So it's easy, it's easy to go with a southern accent. A lot easier to do. You slow it down and you draw it out. I mean, you watch industry. There's how many different English actors in there with different English accents. And I, I've got to stop and replay just to understand it. But that's a whole nother. Well, we are, for such a small country, we have got so many dialects and, oh, yeah. and accents. Regional it's unbelievable. Accents yeah. are really, yeah. really yeah. terrible. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, but you haven't had seen me drink water and I'm not drinking coffee. <laughs> So <laughs> stuff like that. And then you've got Long Island. It just, there, there's, there's a lot in this country too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? God save the King. Did you guys wait in line to go see the queen? I didn't, unfortunately I was working. And so as a result, it was difficult for me to ever get the time, but um, I saw parade come past when they were moving her to Westminster hall, which was, oh, a, wow. it's been real. It's been a very somber. Yeah feeling just kind of nationwide i think yeah um yeah it's a strange strange period of time i had a friend um do it friday and I, I was seeing the updates on facebook and it was about 14 hours he was queuing and doing so it's it's yeah it's um there's a lot of people david beckham waited in line too yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he did yeah yeah right well dennis thank you so much for giving us your time very much I think probably we've kept you talking more than you, you probably planned. But like Lou said, we, we probably could have doubled this. So we'll, we'll definitely have you back at some point whenever you want to come back. We'll, we'll, there's I'd a spot to. here waiting for you. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate your time. Um, I, I know I was referred in and uh, I, I appreciate our friends. And if I can help anybody again, or if you know somebody that you know would like a, a guest with a funny accent, I'd be more than happy to jump on i just look I, when you love what you do it's it's easy to talk about and when you would like minded people it's uh it's just fun it i can't tell you i just it's it's a fun journey it really is guys and i appreciate you more than what you know thank you so much Cheers. thanks thank for having it's been a pleasure having you Lou, and also if we do yeah i was going to finish on a gag Go on. If we'd have gone as long as we'd have wanted to on this podcast, it could have been as long as the Irishman as well. <laughs> That's painful. That's painful. That's lost us, Mr. De Niro and Mr. Pacino. <laughs> I never saw the Irishman, though. No? I never oh, sat I, I, there I, three hours. I never sat, sat there and watched I loved it. Yeah, no, I loved it. Yeah, it was yeah. a brilliant there film. It was a brilliant there film. There you go. Right, so... I think all that's left from us is, as Dennis said, go check him out. You could just put his name into to any search engine or, or social media, you find him. As for us, Casting Views, send us an email or um, find us on Twitter and do subscribe so you don't miss any episode. And we'll see you next week for our one-year anniversary episode. So enjoy. Take care. One, two, three, four. If I want your opinion I will give it to you.
Come on, chick, what we got? Cause you need 